Thanks for joining us today for the Ramp Church podcast. We pray that you'll be uplifted, empowered and revived by this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Ram Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website, ramp.church/mcr or find us on social media. Now let's get into this week's message. This final word is about communion. We're going to take communion together. This is our first time taking communion since we've since we've started in-person gatherings. Yeah, which is really exciting. But there, you know, if you look at the history of the church and the journey of the church, sometimes in the name of of finding the heart of faith again, we'll reject traditionalism which is in many ways the worship of tradition, or, or we orient our lives around traditions just for tradition's sake. But sometimes when we do that in search of the really real or the really authentic, the genuine, we leave behind things that we should have reimagined. Are you with me, Ramp Church? And one of those things is communion. And Communion is a life, the message of communion is a life message for Rob. Rob is a close friend of mine. Let me see a hand if you know Rob Sharp in this room. Okay, yeah, many of you. So Rob, years ago, worked at Prayer Storm here in Manchester, but he was also a huge part of the planting, the starting of Ramp Church. Ramp Church, we just celebrated our four-year-old anniversary here at Ramp Church. Woo! Yes, so Rob was, uh, Rob was a part of the, the crew that was meeting in Stacy and I's living room when Stacy and I's family of five uh, was half of the church. And so Rob was there on the sofa every Sunday night when we were dreaming about what God could do through the Ramp Church community and was with us all of those phases. He was in Manchester working on his PhD, uh, so he's a phenomenologist in case you're looking for one of those. And he's been also, besides the professional, the incredible professional that he is, he's also a dear friend of mine. And I'm so grateful for you. I just want to just honor you even publicly for journeying with me. And I'm so thankful for, your, for this brotherhood and being able to, to just live transparently and real before one another. And Rob has been that for me. And so if you honor him for nothing else this morning, please honor him for that but also honor him because he is a man of God with a word of God for us today. So would you put your hands together to, to please welcome Rob Sharp. Well, I could spend a lot of time uh, talking about how great it is to be back in Ramp, Manchester as a married man as well. Hallelujah. Uh, but you know what? It's like, uh, it's like coming up on a cold Manchester evening and then just getting in a jacuzzi. That's what it feels like. So it's so good to be with you. And someone asked me after I uh, hung out with Pastor Joe, they said, oh, what is it like with Pastor Joe? And I said, you know what? It felt like being on holiday. Just hanging out with him for the day. I felt, you know that feeling when you come back from holiday and you can just like face the world and your boss and all that. It felt like coming back from holiday, which was, you know, so good and so love you. Uh, so I get to speak on my favorite subject. And uh, can we all just stand for a second? And I would love us to just position our hearts towards the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in 1 John, it says, you have no need of a teacher because the Holy Spirit himself teaches you all things. So can you just position your heart, not to receive from whatever I might say, but 
for him to take my words and to teach you something. So can you just say, Holy Spirit, teach me. Holy Spirit, open my eyes. Holy Spirit, the great teacher, teach me today. Amen. You can be seated. Well, one of my favorite stories is in Luke 24, and it's about the road to Emmaus. And there was these two disciples after Jesus had been executed and after he was resurrected, but he didn't, they didn't know about it. And the Bible says that they were going from Jerusalem. They were going from Jerusalem, away from Jerusalem, even though they had been given instructions to stay in Jerusalem because that's what God was doing. And you know, I don't know about you, but there's been periods in my life where I've been floating away from Jerusalem, floating away from the center of what God is doing. And there may be some of us here today who are walking away from Jerusalem, maybe from distraction, maybe like them from disappointment, Because God did not come through how he expected, the way they expected. Jesus wasn't meant to get crucified in their theology, but he did. And disappointment and discouragement stole them walking in the center of what God had for them. And Jesus comes and walks alongside them. But the scriptures say they didn't realize They didn't know it. And he started talking with them. And basically they said, come and eat with us. And the scripture says that when Jesus broke the bread and gave thanks, their eyes were opened up and they realized they'd been walking with Jesus. You see, there are people in here today that you don't realize you are walking with Jesus. You think God has abandoned you, that you've got to do it yourself, that you're not getting the goosebumps that you used to get. And you don't realize Jesus is walking alongside you. I've had seasons in my life where I I didn't realize Jesus is walking with me. Can I get a witness? But it is so much better to live with your eyes open and seeing the works of the Lord, not just having to believe the works of the Lord. Amen? And communion is like a secret passage. I'm like these guys. I stumbled on it by accident. I just started taking communion in the morning because it was something we did. And I was like, whoo! There's some Holy Ghost in this. And I thought, I'm going to do it tomorrow. And I started doing it. And for the last five or six years, I've pretty much taken communion almost every day. And I've centered my devotional life around it. And like these guys walking along and bam, Jesus reveals himself. Jesus reveals himself in communion. The purpose of communion is not ritual. The purpose of communion is to encounter the resurrected Christ. And what I want to do today is to invite you not only to take communion as a community, which is amazing, but I want to invite you this week, every morning, to do your devotions by taking communion. Now, that's my English way of saying it. I've been married to a Russian for over a year and live with my Russian family. A Russian wouldn't say, I'd like to invite you to consider the possibility that maybe the Lord, if he is prompting you in this particular way, that my my Russian family would say, guys, if you want to get in with God, you need to do this every day for the next week. If you want to miss God and not do it and just have it as an idea, I can't help you. But I've not said that, so don't be offended. I'm just giving the Russian interpretation in case there's any, any Russians here. But what I'm going to do now is basically, rather than give you a full sermon, is to give you a basic outline of how to take communion every morning. So I hear someone asking, how do you take communion, Rob? Thank you for asking that question, because the whole rest of the sermon is based on that. So I want you to go in your Bibles or your electronic devices to 1 Corinthians 11.23. 
We're going to read 1 Corinthians 11.23. And in this, there are five steps that I'm just going to highlight. Five steps for taking communion. And I would really like you to underline and actually number each step in your Bible or take notes. If you've got a Bible that's too holy and sanctified to write in, please throw it away and then buy one that you can write in. So I want you to write down these five steps because the Apostle Paul has given us how to receive communion. Verse 23 says this, For I received from the Lord that which I delivered unto you. For I received. You start taking communion with a heart and mind that is prepared to receive. Write this down or meditate on this. Your spiritual development is dependent solely on your capacity to receive. There's some capitalism, transactional works mentality that this has to smash against. Let me say it again. Your spiritual development relies and depends solely on your capacity to receive. Not on your capacity to do, not on your ability to do Christian performance, not on your moral or immoral standards, on your capacity to receive. Because Jesus says, and whoever the Father says that I can give to any son who receives me. How did you get saved? You received your salvation. How did you get you the Holy Ghost? You received the Holy Spirit. How did you get forgiven? You received it. Everything is based. Every spiritual discipline is about getting you, whether it's fasting or praying or the word, it's about getting you into a position to receive. Fasting is about receiving. It's about shutting your mouth. Fasting literally means to close your mouth. Closing your mouth so that you can open your spirit. And I want to ask you today, how good is your receiver? How big is your capacity to just sit and receive? Or do you feel that you have to do something for God? We come before communion with a mindset of I'm here to receive. And how I take communion in the morning, I'll sit there and I'll say this verse. And then I'll say, Lord, I need to receive peace today. And I receive your peace. I need strength. I need grace. Maybe I need finances. You start off your communion, making your petitions, letting God know, I need you today. I am ready to receive. I am enlarging my camp of reception to receive something for you. And this is why it's so important. Because if you don't, a religious spirit will come in. Because the next verse, Paul says, freely as I, as I received, I gave. That is Christianity. As I received, I gave. Matthew chapter 10 verse 8 says, freely as you have received, give a little bit. No, freely as you received, freely give. How strong are your receiving receptors? The first step is you prepare your mind and your heart to receive. For I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he gave thanks, put a circle around that word thanks, put a number two around that word thanks. The second stage is to thank him because thanking is the seal of faith. Thanking is the seal of faith. Romans 4.20, the scriptures say that Abraham did not grow weak in faith, even though he looked at his circumstance. But how did he grow strong in faith? By giving glory to God. Another translation says, by giving thanks to God. 
You say, Lord, I need your peace. The next step, God, I thank you that I have peace. I receive divine peace in my life. And you thank him for what you have asked for in the expectation and faith-filled belief that you have received. If you believed you received it, you would say, thank you, Jesus. The second step is to actively say thank you. He gave thanks. He broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Circle maybe either the bread or the body. Circle the body. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, this is important. Remembrance is not about recalling to your mind. It's not about being like, where's the capital of Arkansas? Oh, I remember. Oh, it's Little Rock, right? There you go. That's not what this word, Greek word, remember means. Remembering is not just about recalling correct theology. Remembering is about allowing your mind to be saturated with the light of the truth. Remembering is about allowing your mind to be saturated by the truth. And when you start to take communion every day, it gets in your bones. Is there anybody else in this room that's got some fire in their bones? Because you've gone again and again and you remember and your mind is so easily distracted by news, by politics, by political identity, by what is it, girls, beer and football, something like that. And so easily distracted that you have to every day bring your mind because God keeps in perfect peace those whose mind is set on him. Those who remember every day what he has done can not help but live worthy according to the calling. So the step three is you remember the body. What does remembering the body mean? I'm going to give you three things. There's loads, but I'm going to give you my top three things that I remember. The first one that I remember when I take the body is deliverance. Deliverance from sin. Deliverance from bondage. The first ever communion was a celebration of Passover with Jesus and his disciples. And the bread that he took was not just normal bread, it was Passover bread. It was unleavened bread. That's why this bread that we take, it's flat. It's not puffy like uh, Greg's bread, okay? It's Passover bread. Why was it flat? Exodus 12, 39 says this. And they took the baked unleavened bread cakes of dough that they had brought out of Egypt. For it was not leavened. Why? Because they were thrust out of Egypt and they could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. So even now the Jews, they celebrate this this festival with unleavened bread because they remember God is a God of suddenlies. He's not slowly freeing you from sin. He's not slowly killing off the devil. He's not slowly becoming the Prince of Peace. He is a God of suddenlies. And when I take the bread, I remember that I serve a God of suddenlies who can rip me out of Egypt, who has ripped me out of Egypt, has ripped me out of bondage, has ripped me out of sin. And that's why Paul can say in Romans, consider yourself dead to sin. I don't care if you're sinning right now and watching something you shouldn't be watching as you're listening to me preach. I'm telling you, consider yourself dead to sin because Jesus has pulled you out of bondage quicker than you can imagine. The second point, number two, I remember nourishment. John 6, 51, write this on the side of your Bibles. He says, I am the living bread, the bread of life that came down from heaven. And anyone who eats of this bread will live forever. 
My bread that I give you for the life of the world is my flesh. John Calvin, the famous reformer, said that in communion, the saints of God are nourished. I receive the life of God, the bread of life into my body. So when I take this and I look at the bread and I'm remembering and I'm calling to light and I'm saturating my mind with a revelation of Christ, what am I thinking about? God, you're going to nourish my soul today. Nourish my body. Nourish my spirit. Number three, because we've got to go through this. Number three, I remember the union of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says this. You are the body of Christ. Jesus is smart. I don't know if you noticed. He didn't give us to remember him a little candle. He didn't give us like a little dance that we have to do like this. He didn't give us like a little handshake, like a mason kind of like handshake like this. He gave us a meal. Why did he give us a meal? Because you understand when we're about to take this and, 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 and the Holy Spirit, I don't know how exactly, but changes and transforms this into the blood and into the body of Christ. We don't just look at it. We don't put it on a platform and go, hallelujah. We take it and you put it in your mouth. And when you put it in your mouth, it goes into your belly and your body begins to digest it. And it means that with in an hour, no surgeon in the world could separate the bread from your body. Let me say this way. No one can separate Jesus from you. You're one. It's a proclamation of my spiritual body, soul union with the living Christ so that Paul with authority can say, not you should be, not you could be, not wouldn't it be nice if you were. He said, you are the body. And I'm speaking that over you. You are the body. I speak against shame and fear and insecurity and people in here that don't think you're good enough or worthy enough or you need some other pastor to pray for someone. And I am telling you, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are the body. Hallelujah. The next verse, he took the blood. He took the blood. He took the cup of the blood. And he said in the same way, This cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. Remember me. I'm gone over a little bit of time. But you're not bored, are you? Amen. The three things that I remember. And the first one, it is like mind-blowing. Zechariah 9.11. The first thing that I recall and bring to mind when I take the body and the blood is that I am in covenant with the living God. Zechariah 9.11 says this, as for you, and I tell you this, Ramp Church, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the Spirit, as for you, Ramp Church, because of the blood of my covenant that is with you, I will set the prisoners free from wardeners pits. You return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. But get this, the first phase, you need to get the first phase. God didn't say, because of your righteousness. He didn't say, because you're better looking than the average person. He didn't say, because you support Manchester United, not Manchester City. He didn't say, because you're a good little girl or good little boy, and I just like you. He said, because of the blood of the covenant. When I come before God, it's not because I'm good. It's not because I'm black or white or Asian. It's not because I've been saved for however many years I come before God with a boldness because of the blood of the covenant and some of you when you approach the throne room there's these big ugly 
looking giants called shame and fear and you messed up last night and you don't know your Bible like you should and they're standing there by the gates and they say you're not allowed in there you can sit at the back of the church but you're not allowed in the Holy of Holies because I know what you've done and you can say I know what I've done but because of the blood of the covenant come on can someone say because of the blood of the covenant because the blood of the covenant captives will be set free When you do this every morning, you're like, I'm in covenant with the living God. You've got no, we still do not have any idea what that really means. The closest we have in our world is a treaty obligation. Can I just take an extra minute or two? It's a treaty obligation. Bit of history, First World War, 1917. Germany wanted to take France. And they decided it would be good to do a shortcut through Belgium and surprise them. And they asked the Belgians, basically, let our whole army just come through, don't say anything. And Belgium had a choice. They could either allow the Germans to squat in their backyard, in their sovereign territory, or they could trigger an international treaty they had with Great Britain, which meant that Great Britain had to respond with armed protection over Belgium. This is how the First World War happened. The Germans made a mistake. They thought, number one, the Belgians Belgians would just let us through. We don't want Belgium, we want France. Just let us through. And they made a second mistake. They thought Britain would not actually live by their treaty obligations. And so when they spoke to the Belgians, just let us through. Britain's not going to come trade. They don't care. They got bigger fresh to fry. They just think, you, all you guys do is make chocolate. You just carry on doing that in German occupation. We're not interested. We got a greater fish to fry. That's what the Germans told the Belgians. But the Belgians said, no, this is our sovereign territory. You are not allowed in here. We are triggering our treaty rights. And to the German surprise, Britain responded. There was a bit of an ahhing, but we eventually responded to our treaty obligation. But I'm telling you that to tell you this. An international treaty obligation is the closest thing we have to the idea of a covenant. And the devil is squatting in your backyard. He is squatting in your mind. He is sitting like an ugly snake over your finances, over your relationships. And he's saying, just let me stay here. I'm just coming through. If you don't bother me, I won't bother you. And the amount of Christians that believe the lie that you can just let the devil sit there and I'll sit here and we'll just call it peace. But I'm here to tell you that Britain might have only just fulfilled its treaty obligations, but you have a covenant in the blood of the Son of God. And you think the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is not going to fulfill his treaty obligation and you need to speak to the devil and say because of the blood of the covenant get the hell out of here the second thing I remember is forgiveness 1st John 1 17 if we walk in the light as he is in the light we will have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all sins. You better believe I meditate on that every single morning. The third point that I meditate on, I want you to be writing these down. Third point is the victory of the cross. 
Colossians 2.15, if we can have that scripture. I meditate on the victory of the cross because the scriptures say he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame, triumphing over them. I meditate and remind the devil that he is defeated and disarmed. Do you know what defeated means? It means that where we get the word is a defeated general, they would chop off their feet, defeat them. They would, this is true, true, this is etymologically correct. They would disarm them so they would have no feet and no arms. The devil is defeated. The devil is disarmed. The only thing he can do is whisper lies into your ears. But when you know that you, God has got a treaty obligation towards his children that he will fulfill, you can say, you are defeated, you are disarmed, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. The first thing we do is we receive, prepare ourselves to receive. The second thing we do is we give thanks for what we have just received by faith. The third thing that we do is we remember the body. We remember the bread. The fourth thing we do is we remember the blood. We not just remember ourselves, we remind everything around us, everything going on in your life. Come on, everything, you remind the devil of the blood of Christ, not just yourself. And then the last one, verse 26, it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Communion is a proclamation into the realm of the Spirit. What did Jesus tell us? What's the last thing Jesus told his disciples to do? Go into all the world and proclaim. Communion is part of our evangelism because we are proclaiming the death, the burial, the resurrection, the soon coming of our King. Revelations 12, 11 says this, for they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and what? The word of their testimony. We could put it like this. They overcame by the proclamation of God's word on their mouth. One of my favorite scriptures in Revelation is when Jesus basically says, if you do not change your ways, I will unsheath the sword of my mouth upon you. Some of us in here today need to take this communion moment and in our proclamation, I finish with proclamations when I take communion. And when we take communion in a minute, we're going to finish with proclamations and you need to unsheath the sword of your mouth and start proclaiming the word of God, the covenant word of God over your life. Too many of our swords are sheathed and it's the way the enemy of your soul wants to keep your sword sheathed. And they say, oh, Pastor, Pastor Joe, you speak over me. No, speak over yourself. Proclamation, proclamation. See, there was this little country across the pond that in 1776 released an independence proclamation. They went and proclaimed, crazy King George, we no longer want to live underneath your oppressive rule. Now, some of them came back, so I don't know if that's like a, a re-independence proclamation, but we'll get into that. But they were made a proclamation. Abraham Lincoln, when he decided to set the slaves free, made an emancipation proclamation where they proclaimed everybody is free. There is no more slavery. They made that proclamation. And people would go through all of the lands and they would make that proclamation. In fact, when a Caesar died, Rome would send apostles. Do you hear the name? They would send apostles out to say Caesar is dead. This is the new Caesar. In fact, let's bring it a bit home because we're British. Amen. Yeah, none of the British people said amen just to prove they were British. 
But okay, come with me because we're going to finish in a second. When that sad day comes, when Queen Elizabeth II passes into glory, there will be a proclamation in Parliament where they will say, the Queen is dead. Long live the King. When I take communion, come on, come with me here. When I take communion, I am making a proclamation. I am making a proclamation that the prince of this world is defeated. And Jesus is king. Come on, stand with me here. I don't know if there's anyone in here today that you're willing to stand here and say, you know what? We are here to proclaim all hail King Jesus. I proclaim right now, death is defeated. And King Jesus, the king of life is alive. I'm here to proclaim poverty. Poverty is defeated. As the band come up, poverty is defeated. And prosperity in the spirit of God is unleashed. Come on, is there anyone else in here today that wants to proclaim Jesus is King? Come on, anybody on with me here? Jesus is King. Jesus is King. By the words of your mouth, it shall be done unto you. We proclaim in this place, Jesus is King. Death is defeated. Fear is defeated. Shame is defeated. Sickness is defeated. Poverty is defeated. Depression is defeated. Sickness and disease. Bone marrow cancer is defeated. It is defeated. And there is a new king. And I'm here today to say, long live the king. So let us prepare to take communion together now. Let us prepare with this first step. Get your heart ready to receive. You don't have to perform here. This isn't about a performance. I don't want you to perform. If you just sit quietly and receive, I don't mind whatever you do, but I want you to prepare your hearts. Close your eyes right now if you're able to. I want you to prepare your hearts and your minds to receive. And as you open up your communion elements, just speak to God. Speak to God. Speak to God yourself. Tell Him what you need to receive. God loves answering these children's prayers. Tell him what you need to receive. Do you need peace? Ask him for peace. Do you need a breakthrough? Ask him for breakthrough. You need rest? Say, God, Jesus, I need rest. Prepare to receive. Prepare to receive. Prepare to receive. Prepare to receive. And now I want you to thank him for what you just asked for, thank him. Say, God, I thank you for peace right now. Come on, come with me. Don't watch me. Don't watch me do this. God, I thank you for peace right now. Lord, I thank you for strength right now. I thank you for my wife's visa right now. I thank you, Lord, for finances to come through right now. I thank you for the strength of your spirit right now. Thank him. Thank him. Come on. Thank him like you just received it. Not thank him like you hope you're going to get it. This time, thank him like you have it, like he just gave it to you. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And then he took the bread. And he said, this is my body given to you. Do this as a memorial, a remembrance to me. So Holy Spirit, as we take the bread in our hands, we pray, change and transform it spiritually into the body of Christ. And we recognize we're not just taking any old bread. We are taking sanctified bread that's been touched by your Holy Spirit and transformed spiritually into the body of Christ. And when we receive it, we receive God. We receive Jesus into our hearts. We receive the bread of life. We receive our deliverance. We receive the body that was broken for us so that we might be whole. So right now, the body of Christ, receive 
the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. 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 So just open up the juice. Hallelujah. And after the meal, he took the cup. And he said, this is the cup of my new covenant for the forgiveness of sins poured out for many. Do this and remember me. Remember my victory. Remember my covenant. Remember my resurrection. Remember that I am Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Remember that I am the all-conquering King of life and death. Remember that I hold life and death in my hands. Remember I am the Alpha and Omega. Remember that you are my child. Remember the blood of the covenant because of the blood of the covenant. You stand here today forgiven. You stand here today righteous. You stand here today with a confidence and swagger that God is fighting for you. Holy Spirit, bless this juice, change and transform it into the blood of Christ so that when we receive it, we receive a fresh dose in our soul and in our body of the victory of Christ. The blood of Christ. The blood of the new covenant. Receive it now. Thank you, Lord.